It's simple. Okay. What moves you? What moves your you? passion? Yeah. Because you can never, you don't ever want to do do anything that you are not one hundred and fifty is not even enough. One hundred and fifty percent is not enough. You mm-hmm. have to be so passionate about what you do. Because whenever you are doing something that you truly, truly love, it is never work. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, to this day, uh, I feel that I had never worked one day in my life. You know, last night I went home uh, because we had an amazing night at Minton's Playhouse. And yes. he goes like, don't you ever get tired? I'm like, tired of what? You know, like doing something that I truly, tr- I wouldn't change it for anything else. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Beautiful people, happy, happy Sunday. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. So happy to be here in the studio today. Uh, It's a blessing, you know, to be able to do this for a living. Uh, So happy. Uh, Today we have a really uh, great guest, actually someone who's a pillar in the community here in Harlem. Um, This gentleman is the owner of Ricardo Steakhouse, Corner Social, Minton's Playhouse, the Cecil Steakhouse, Angelo Harlem, um, he's also uh, also ceviche, and then he's also the artistic director and owner of the Poets Den Theater and Gallery, which is on the east side. Um, the list actually goes on and on, but uh, he's also an executive chef uh, who uses his culinary mastery to incite creativity and fun with food, as you can see from the photo that we took and posted today uh, on our Instagram page. Uh, He's the executive producer for the East Harlem Presents, uh, which is a performing arts venue with a multi-use art gallery and space and independent programming. Uh, and the founder of the East Harlem International Film Festival and so many more other things. I could go on and on, but ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce our guest today, Mr. Uh, Rafael Benavides. Uh, Rafael, please say hello to the uh, Create Your Life series family. Hello, everyone, and thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for uh, taking the time. Had the opportunity to meet you a few few months back in the summer. Um, was introduced to you by um, one of your, your partners, NIE. Mm-hmm. And you and I, we just got to sitting down. I didn't even know who you were. And we just sat down and started talking. And you were telling me about this journey uh, that you had, you know, going from uh, working in software, uh, you know, being a numbers guy, to working in, in the, the theatrical world and also becoming a restaurateur. Um, after reading so many articles on you, so many great articles online, I found out that this was actually um, a part of your family business, mm-hmm. actually being a, um, coming over with your family at the age of 11 uh, from Mendoza, Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, the family business was uh, 
restaurant, yes. being a restaurant. Yes, was 11 years old, uh, like you stated, from Argentina, Mendoza, Argentina, wine country. Okay. And um, um, I, you know, moved to New York for ACLs. Right. And from there, I had to go to school, learn the language. And um, from the very beginnings, I was very independent. So um, my mother, you know, while I was still in school, one night she told me, if you want to live under my room, under my roof, yeah. you know, you got to be home by nine. So I said, like, so the other alternative is I don't have to live under your roof, so I'll move out. Oh, and wow. <laughs> How old were you when you said this? Fifteen. Fifteen. You moved yes. out at fifteen. Yes. So, um, oh, wow. Yes. And um, <laughs> so, but, you know, I mean, I realized that it would require or that meant that I was going to have many more responsibilities. Yeah. I just didn't measure how many there were. <laughs> so it was um, it was quite a uh, awakening. But, you know, I felt that I was ready to take it on because uh, I still had to go to school, find a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my you know very first job was working with my brother. He by that time, he was uh, the sous chef at a restaurant in Long Island. So okay. I um, had to commute every day to go, you know, so get up in the morning, 8 o'clock, go to school, get out of school by 2.30, 3 o'clock, be at work at 4, do wow. my homework in the bus, mm-hmm. and uh, 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 do my work, and then come back home, finish the work, and continue it. So it was like a never-ending cycle, you mm. know, the, probably the first six years of my life, you know, it was like that. Wow. So it was it was intense to say the least. But it those are the kind like of it. things that build you, you know, that define you, you know, mm-hmm. who you're gonna become later on. Mm. And so it got to the point to where your brother, your older brother, had told you that you were going into the restaurant business. And you <laughs> yes, said, Well, you know what? Too. I wanna be a chef. But right. you know, it depends. Do I wanna be a chef under him or do I wanna go away? Well, uh, he uh, he was the um, uh, uh, a few years after you know I started working with him. He opened his own restaurant with a couple partners in Garden City, Long Island. So he wanted me to work, come work with him, which I did. And uh, but he wanted me to become uh, his sous chef, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, right after him. Uh, he saw that you know that I liked cooking. So, but I love to cook. It's just that. You know, the 5,000 degrees behind your back on on a seven-day basis, it yeah. wasn't that appealing to me. I figured <laughs> that I wanted to do something else. Right. Um, and uh, I figured that I, in order for me to accomplish that, I needed to put as much distance between him and I. Yes. And basically, that's what I did. I moved to California. You yeah. know, so and um, uh, I've always I always like numbers. So I felt that accounting was my calling. Yes. And uh, so my first degree was, you know, accounting and um, six months. Uh, well, you know, that fortunately I had a scholarship. And yeah, I was going to say, that's not overlooked that you, yeah. had, a, you had a tennis scholarship <laughs> yes. to USC, which yes. means that you were pretty good along with having a job and yes. all of these other responsibilities, yes. paying your own rent. You yes, know? exactly. Oh, no, if I tell you the story of my very first day when I arrived in California, it's quite a story. Oh, yeah. Let's so, hear it. okay. So <laughs> my mother says, okay, so if you're going to move to California, we have, you know, we have a relative there mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you might want to stay with him. Uh, um, a couple nights and I'm like okay so she gives me the address and uh, I arrived at LAX 11 p.m. (laughs) <laughs> nothing is alive at 11 p.m. No, in L.A. So <laughs> everything shut down. Yeah, yeah, shut yeah. Down. It, it shuts down very early. So um, uh, I took the uh, the taxi over to the address that my mother had given me. And um, at that point, I said, like, it's almost midnight. I, I'm about to knock on somebody's door that I never met. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I don't think that I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So I said, like, well, like all 
buildings in New York City, they probably have a laundromat. And so I waited till somebody came out of the building. I went in and I slept my very first night in Los Angeles in a laundromat of a building that I didn't, I didn't know. So the next morning when I woke up, I said like, okay, so I um, uh, left the building, never say hello to my relative, which I never met, by the way. So, oh, wow. <laughs> you never met? No. It might, I mean, uh, I didn't go knock on his door the next morning. I figured he probably was off to work. So um, I went and said, okay, so before I, you know, uh, uh, go to school, you know, they had given me a date. I need to find a home and I need to find a job. Yeah. So I asked um, uh, uh, somebody that I met on the street. I said, like, what is the fanciest place, you know, in, in this area? And he said, Beverly Hills. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, like, I'll go to Beverly Hills. <laughs> so after I found out how to get to Beverly Hills, I go to Beverly Hills. Yeah. And um, I go restaurant to restaurant. But it, um, I was lucky because uh, for whatever reason, and some of the listeners are going to be able to relate to this, in California and in Florida, when you tell them that you're from New York, you're like, something else they, they look at king. you like you, you're like king exactly World so team. right away they offer me a job so boom you know that's uh then the very next day i landed a job as a server in a restaurant okay you know? yeah so, i was definitely gonna ask yeah, okay so you know that was uh that was my first well now that i had a job then i figure okay so now i can uh, i'm gonna have steady income so now i can find my apartment and then i can go to school so i did that and um uh Six months, before, you know, you go through all the struggles of going to school, working, right, right. and having to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but six months before I graduated, um, there was a, uh, the, the firms, you know, is the customary that they come into the campuses and they scout, you know, for right, potential, absolutely. you know, new talent. Mm-hmm. So they came and um, I got an interview and actually they offered me an internship, a job, okay. uh, a paid internship on top of that. Okay. So um, my very first day. Uh, I arrived downtown LA, one of the you know tallest buildings, which is not that many, but one of the tallest buildings, forty seventh floor, and um, uh, uh, I walk into the lobby, mm-hmm. and uh, I I open the door. The receptionist is right there, and she tells me, uh, "Can I help you, sir?" And I looked at all the cubicles that were you know yeah. in the in the place, yeah. and um, I say like, give me one second. I think that I might have made a mistake. You know, maybe I have the wrong place. So I knew that I was in the right place. Mm-hmm. It's just that I felt that do I want to do that? I don't see myself sitting in one of those mm-hmm. cubicles, you know, for that long. Right. So it's for me. Once again, the receptionist goes, uh, "Can I help you?" And I said like, you know what? I think I made a mistake. I think I got the wrong address. I turned around and I left. That was my um, uh, my life as an accountant. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, but you, you, you studied accounting and then you also uh, studied computer science. And well, the, yeah, because what happened was the very next day I go back to school and I tell <laughs> one of my counselors, I said, listen, I think I made a mistake, yeah. a four-year mistake. And um, said, listen, I think that knowing you by now, you should try computer science. And I'm okay. like, really? And uh, I said, like, yeah. And basically, believe it or not, mm-hmm. that was like, you know, it was, it was a pretty good match. Okay. Yeah, so um, uh, graduated and uh, put together a team of four of my classmates, yeah. and we develop a uh, POS software, and you know we moved back to New York. Right. Yeah. So it was um, I named it Bacchus, which is my maternal last name. Right. And um, and you know that was my my return to New York was developing software and installing software in restaurants because Bacchus was, was a uh, a software you know the POS point of sales right. for restaurants. Yeah. Okay. Now the reason why Bacchus was so special was because he had 
all the elements. You know, basically, I felt that I had the best requirements that a software for that industry might need, which was, first of all, the knowledge of the restaurants, how they operate. Second, the accounting knowledge, you see. It wasn't a waste of four years after all. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And then, of course, you know, the uh, programming. And as a result of that, we were able to create a software that was really, really unique. You know, and, uh, and it was going awesome until, um, one of the bigger guys decided to take us off the market. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, and basically they, they, they bought a software and not to sell it, just to sell it, which is, is, is customary in the industry. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they did that. Um, wow, that's amazing. So you, 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 you sold, you know what I mean? You, you said, I'm not an accountant. Then you went, you created your own software. Mm-hmm. You sold the company. And then what happened next? Is that where the poets then comes no. in? or? Like, <laughs> what, what was the next step in your, in your journey? But you see, because that's, that's what happens in life. You yeah. see, life will always present opportunities to you. Mm-hmm. What you do with your, those opportunities is entirely up to you. Yeah, but so there's, there's the always, learning never ends, basically. But there's always that opportunity to say no, which is something that you and I discussed briefly, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of opportunities are going to come your way. How did you decide on what your next move was going to be? Simple. Okay. What moves you. What movie? Your passion. Yeah. Because you can never, you don't ever want to do do anything that you are not, one, 150 is not even enough, 150% is not enough. You mm-hmm. have to be so passionate about what you do. Because whenever you are doing something that you truly, truly love, it is never work. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, to this day, uh, I feel that I had never worked one day in my life. You know, last night I went home uh, because we had an amazing night at Minton's Playhouse. And yes. he goes like, don't you ever get tired? I'm like, tired of what? You know, like doing something that I truly, tr- I wouldn't change it for anything else. So whenever you uh, do something that you're passionate about, then it, it never becomes something that, you know, that you see it as hard work or anything like that. So, um, so when you encounter those opportunities, so mm-hmm. the question is, am I passionate about it? Is this something that I can see myself doing for the next 20, 30 years if necessary? Right. So that's, um, well, so for me, I guess I, I want to go a little further in depth on that question. Now you've actually opened up a plethora of restaurants. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could probably name off all of them. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't find them all online, but you, you've been naming names that I weren't, wasn't able to find online. How do you know? when, uh, what has to be in alignment for you to open up a new restaurant? Because you guys recently just revived the Cecil mm-hmm. and brought that back as yes. the Cecil Steakhouse, which is a staple in Harlem, mm-hmm. as well as Minton's is. Uh, but they were shut down for a while. <clears throat> what made you say, you know what, Corner Social, Ricardo's, uh, Ricardo's Ocean Grill, these restaurants that you already are running, they're not enough. We can take on another opportunity. What was in alignment? What was right for you to say, this is a go? Um, but first of all, like I said before, the opportunity has mm-hmm. to be there. Then the second part is, is it going to make a, an impact to mm-hmm. my surroundings? Um, the Cecil Steakhouse and Minton's Playhouse was something very special to me because I've been, um, when they opened in 2006, I uh, already had Ricardo Steakhouse. So I knew about Minton's and Cecil, you know, from way back then mm-hmm. and um and when it closed you know when i found out you know uh, back in november of 2015 16 that they were going to close december 31st he, i think that not just myself but he sent sh- you know shock of uh, 
uh, uh, it was painful for the entire village of Harlem. Mm -hmm. I think that we all felt like, wow, you know, this, this kind of happened. So when, um, uh, you know, the opportunity was presented to me, it was a no-brainer. There was no way that I could say no to that. Yeah. You know, so, uh, uh, and, and uh, it's, it's not about you know, uh, uh, that I had to study the opportunity. It's just that the opportunity, it, it, it's there and it's right and you feel it. Mm. You know, everything has to do, you know, with, with, with how you feel about it. So mm. a lot of the times you got to put the intellectual part behind it and kind of go with the emotional part. Mm. The, you know, because basically that was the same. Um, uh, if you were to ask me, why did I open Ricardo Steakhouse? When um, my partner presented that idea to me back in 2001, 2002, um, uh, I was not very familiar with, with, with Harlem. I was living in Long Island at the right. time. So when, um, when he told me, um, I said, okay, let me go. I had just sold my software. So I had a little bit of time. Right. And um, so I figure, you know, it could be an opportunity. But what was interesting was that um, uh, I presented the idea to some of my restaurateur friends in Long Island about should I do it? What do you guys think? Every single one of them told me, no, don't do it. You're going to lose your shirt. You know, it's like <laughs> it's a bad idea. So right. the more they told me no the more I wanted to do it. So it became a challenge. Mm. You see, now I'm interested because yeah. now it became a challenge. And that was basically what moved me to, you know, to say yes and open Ricardo Steakhouse. We opened that in 2000, July 1st, 2004. And um, so that was Ricardo. That, I would say that that was the, um, the, the, the idea behind it. Then, um, uh, you know, the restaurant got quite busy. And we needed a space for catering. Right. So, which, you know, the restaurant uh, is of a decent size, but not enough to host a party of 50, a party of 100. Mm -hmm. So I started asking around, you know, some of my clients. And it just happens one day, uh, uh, my good friend now, uh, Jisoo, uh, I asked her if she knew of places where I could, do, you know, I was looking for a space for catering. She goes like, oh, you know what? Let me take you to the space that I have, mm -hmm. which is what is now the gallery, the Poison Gallery. Right. And from... I mean, the minute that I saw it, I'm like, that's it. I want this. And uh, so that space became the catering space for the steakhouse, for Ricardo Steakhouse. Wow. But then now I say, okay, so I have the space for catering. We do two or three parties a week. What do I do the rest of the day? And um, uh, uh, I have worked with a lot of uh, artists in the community, and I noticed that they didn't have enough venues for them to showcase their work. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what better place to showcase their work than these four walls that I have? And uh, that's how it became a gallery, an art gallery. Mm. So, and then, of course, you know, the uh, natural uh, uh, next step was the theater next door. And that's how the Poets then was born. Wow. Now, talking to you earlier, one thing that you had said, and this is when we initially had our conversation, I, I said, man, you've done software. You've, you know, you went to school, played tennis. Uh, you, you're... You're a restaurateur. Which one of these, and of course, uh, participating in the arts. I said, now, which one of these uh, avenues or career paths has been the most rewarding or fruitful for you? And your answer was? The Poets Stan Theater and Gallery. And the I, arts. So why? Why? <laughs> um, okay. Um, first of all, I always tell, you know, after I opened the, uh, the Poets Den, uh, everybody would ask me. I mean, they thought that I was a, an actor. 
yeah. uh, singer, uh, <laughs> um, a musician, you know, I mean, you name it, a painter, a sculptor, and to every question, it would be no, no, no. I say, as a matter of fact, that I consider myself the most artistically handicapped individual <laughs> that you will ever meet because I, don't, I cannot do any of those things. But what I realized from day one was when I started you know, uh, working with the artist was that unfortunately, most artists don't have uh, the business sense that is needed to survive mm -hmm. in the arts. And um, uh, I felt that I was uh, feeling a void in that community, in the artistic community, because I took it upon myself to tell them, no, listen, even if uh, there, there are more currencies than just money, you know, but mm -hmm. you never do anything just for free. You know, right. uh, 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 if, if you work with a restaurant, guess what? They can give you a gift certificate. They can give you many things that, so this always got to be the trade, but never for free because then uh, you're not given the value that is necessary to your, uh, 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 to your product, which is your artwork. Absolutely. You know, so, so restaurants, uh, we produce food and drinks. Artists produce beautiful pieces of art, right. which humans, we love to look at it because they're beautiful. So that becomes the product that becomes their, uh, uh, the livelihood. So mm -hmm. you're not going to give it away. You have to be able to get something for it. You have to make a living doing it, which is Absolutely. probably going back to passion. And one other, I, I fell in love with the art because I, 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 I saw that all artists share that passion that I feel whenever I enter a, a, a project. Mm -hmm. And they are the most passionate individuals. Mm -hmm. So, um, and all all of them, of all the different artists that I deal with, mm -hmm. my favorite are filmmakers. Okay. You know why? Why so? Because they're freaking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I, know okay. film, I know filmmakers that will work nine months nonstop, mm -hmm. all right, just to uh, save enough money to do a short film. You know, to do one of the projects, to do a web series. Right. And then uh, uh, the struggle that they go through, but they never complain one bit about what they're doing. It's like they are so focused on that project that it's, it's, it's enlightening. You observe them and you can learn so much, you know, from them. So, and, and the great thing about it was that, you know, uh, like I said before, you know, I always consider myself a numbers guy. I yeah. would consider myself, you know, I always told everybody, hey, listen, you can paint, you can sing. Give me a spreadsheet and I'll, I'll make music with that. <laughs> So that was my, you know, I can make music with appreciate. That's your art. You know, so, um, uh, uh, but they, 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 the filmmakers are just so passionate about it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like they will go through any length to get it done. And mm -hmm. that is something that you have to respect. So as a result of dealing with, um, with all these artists and by me study them in a way, because I started mm -hmm. like, what makes you tick? What makes, mm -hmm. you know, what makes you be the way that you are? Mm -hmm. And, um, as a result of that, I noticed that I started getting very creative, you know, like I came up with ideas that like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. But I noticed that that was the byproduct of me dealing with them. So you mm -hmm. see there is it's a give and take, Absolutely. you know, as long as you're able to absorb, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, so yeah, so that was, um, uh, 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 that's the reason why I fell in love with the arts. And it became my, my, my baby. Okay. And real quick, before we go to a, um, to a musical break, I want to ask you about a a quote that your grandfather has and it is anyone can paint art but it takes a genius to sell it mm -hmm. tell us elaborate on that a little bit 
Well, um, it's it's more than just the um, the meaning of the statement. Uh, it's it's a metaphor because um, uh, I always tell uh, any of my associates that uh, creating art costs money. Yeah. So and uh, and 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 it's great, you know, that a lot of people have uh, ideas, uh, uh, projects that they want to do. But at the same time, you have to realize that in order to bring this project to fruition, you need money for that. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, so you kind of like, I mean, my grandfather used to say genius, but you know, you need somebody with that expertise. You need somebody with you know uh, 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 that know-how in order to be able to sell that project, sell that piece. So I'm not talking just basically, you know, buying. In a, 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 or selling a paint, no, but I'm talking about the arts in general, mm-hmm. you know, that you need to have somebody uh, in your organization who is very focused on the financial aspect of it because, like I said before, it costs money to create art. Mm. Yes. Okay. I love it. Beautiful people, we are back. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Before we left and as we were on our musical break, you had the opportunity to listen to uh, Future Bass. Um, the Chainsmokers, of course, Closer. That's one of our favorite jams here at the show. And then also Gold Link, uh, which is by Crew featuring Shy Glizzy. We are back with our amazing guest and, of course, a staple in the Harlem community, Rafael Benavides. And yeah, I got it. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and so, Rafael, before we left, we were talking about, um, you know, basically the, the genius of, of being able to not only create art, but sell art and how you're your artistic uh, endeavors or your artistic talent is in the spreadsheet and making sure that things count (laughs) and that the business keeps running. Uh, One thing that I'm hearing from you that I I love, but I think is also an art, is the art of partnerships and knowing when and who to partner with. Can you tell us how important partnerships have been for you in your ventures and what are some of your secrets to um, aligning with people uh, to partner. Yeah, partnerships can be very tricky, and uh, that's something that I always, you know, try to advise um, anyone that I come in contact with, or they ask for my advice when it comes to partnerships, because um, uh, because of human nature, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it can be very difficult. So I would say that in my partnership, something that I always try to look for is people with the same vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to be able to see um, uh, what you're trying to accomplish also has to be their goals. Because if that is not the case, then it's going to be very hard to be able to pull together. Mm-hmm. And uh, when uh, talking about it, any enterprise, you know, business enterprise or any other type of enterprise for that matter, uh, it is hard enough as it is to actually, you know, having to deal with difficult, you know, partners. And and so whenever you're going to select your partners, you have to be very careful and do your research. And actually you need to have a a very uh, uh, clear and and concise conversation regarding to what is it that they expect or how do they see the project in five years, in 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. And um, if there is no compatibility, then I would say stay away Mm -hmm. because uh, some uh, great uh, uh, business that I've known uh, have failed be- precisely because of that. Mm-hmm. There, there was no uh, the, uh, uh, chemistry, 
mm-hmm. you know, between the partners. And then, you know, just one partner can make it difficult, you know, for the entire organization. So it, it's, it's something that uh, uh, is very difficult. Now, also, um, whenever you're going to select your partners, you need to, uh, to run a business. You can never do everything yourself. Right. So you need to uh, uh, partner up with people who are going to contribute to the uh, enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you're going to be the only one that has the know-how, then it becomes you know, quite a task. Actually, almost impossible because right. you, you you know you cannot do that. Um, so that's uh, something that anyone thinking about uh, finding partners or looking mm-hmm. for partner is something that they have to be really careful about that. Now, let's say that you are the person with the initial vision. How much adjusting should you do if the person that you want to partner do partner with uh, has a different vision, but you need to find that alignment? How far? Um, of a how how adjustable should you be or you know what I mean? Um, you have to be flexible. Yeah, you, know, you cannot be mm-hmm. um, flexible because um, unfortunately we all need uh, help. You know, uh, from partners, whether it's monetary, whether it's uh, technical support, mm-hmm. whether it's um, uh, all of the different aspects that go into that. But at the same time, uh, there has to be an agreement on what you guys are trying to accomplish, you know, with with the business. So if that has not been determined, most likely it's going to become a problem in the near future rather than, you know, in the long uh, term. Mm. So uh, uh, it's, 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 you, you have to be flexible, but yet, you know, you have to be careful. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, switching modes a little bit. It seems like you're a man who accomplishes a lot and has accomplished a lot, which much, much more to go. What are some of your goal-setting methods? Like, how do you go about setting goals? Like, what is that process like? Because it's, it's one thing just to open up a restaurant or to say that I'm going to have a, a poet's den and, and gallery. Mm-hmm. But you have to create milestones to make sure that this is successful. What is that process like for you before even jumping all the way in? Well, um, with any uh, businesses, with any goal that you're trying to set, mm-hmm. there is one constant that you need mm-hmm. to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we were talking about partners. Yeah. But partners is only one part of that. Right. I would say that the first thing that I look for is who is going to be my team. Mm. Because to me, that's the most uh, important asset that a company can have. So I can set 20 goals, but if I don't have the team to help me accomplish those goals, it's not going to be able to happen. Okay. So um, uh, uh, I pay um, extreme uh, attention to my team members. Okay. Uh, I like to develop them. I like, uh, uh, I like them to grow. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, I, I enjoy very much when one of my team members says that he's leaving any of my businesses because he found something that is, you know, an amazing opportunity for him or her. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I think that when you're able to do that, when you're able uh, to, to be able, because I would say that that's probably my, uh, uh, somebody asked me what is, you know, my, uh, rather than, well, actually somebody asked me about my goals, but say like, what is the one thing that you do better than, you know, the quality that you like about you the best when it comes to business? Yeah, your superpower. And my superpower. Yeah. Developing teams. 
Okay. That I was, I like that. I'm going to use that. That's my superpower. <laughs> yes. So my superpower is like uh, probably even better than Superman's. But <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Developing teams. So um, because I have come to learn that in, in, in any, any company, you see, you see companies like Microsoft, Apple, that's something that they do very well mm-hmm. is developing their team. Mm-hmm. The, um, uh, the human uh, resource of any company is so important mm-hmm. and you need to develop them. You need to give them the tools. You need to mm-hmm. give them the training. You need to give them the incentives mm-hmm. because believe it or not, something mm-hmm. that I've learned a long time ago is that most uh, companies think that uh, you're going to motivate, uh, uh, the motivation is going to be money. And that is not. Right. Yeah. Money is not what motivates people. Respect is what motivates people. If you treat them with respect, if you uh, uh, show them that they are valued and that they, 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 they're uh, important to the enterprise, then they will, they will really, really perform. Um, just money, it, it, it's, it's never uh, what's going to make an employee stay because somebody, they're going to find somebody else is going to pay them more. Mm-hmm. But when you treat them in a certain way, when you treat them with respect, when you make them part of the team, you make them feel that, you know, this is their thing too, mm-hmm. they're not going anywhere. They don't want to go anywhere because right. they want to be part of that. All human beings, we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. So right. uh, uh, when, you, when, when you're part of a big group that is all pulling together towards the same goal, it's a beautiful thing. So uh, that's the one thing that I enjoy doing, you know, the most. Uh, Acone Social have an amazing team. Yeah. You know, uh, at Cecil and Mintums, you know, since they are the, the babies. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, I'm in the process of developing that because I know that if I have that team mm-hmm. uh, uh, in place, mm-hmm. then, uh, you see, I can concentrate now on the bigger picture. Okay. You know, and I always tell them this. I say, guys, your job is to make sure that this place runs smooth. Right. Because if you guys do what you're supposed to do, then I can do what, I what do. I'm supposed to do, right. which is, you know, bringing the customers, doing the marketing, showing the people what we have in the places. Absolutely. So once everybody understands that concept, mm-hmm. then it becomes easier. Now, let me ask you this. If you're, <clears throat> let's say, hypothetically... Today, you're about to open up a new restaurant. Yes. Walk us through steps one through X quickly mm-hmm. of how that looks. Somebody c- approached you with the opportunity. Yes. Now, one through X, mm-hmm. what does that process look like for you to evaluate the opportunity and for you to say, all right, this is a go and let's do it? Believe it or not, like I said before, number one, mm-hmm. people. Who is going to be my team? Right. Money, believe it or not, is not even... Uh, 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 not, number, not, not top three. Okay. It is important, don't get me wrong, yeah. but, you know, you can have all the money in the world. And I know, you know, companies that had millions of dollars and they still fail. Yeah. So money is not what's going to make the business. Okay. So in my process, the first thing that I go through is um, uh, the people that are going to be there with me. Then after that, I think, is it going to be something that is going to fulfill me? That's something that I want to do seven days a week, 18, 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So once I, uh, 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 I have have those two things in place, then I look at the uh, uh, at, at, at the business plan elements. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, the demographics, the uh, strength. You know, weaknesses, the opportunities, the threats. You know, to the uh, what you're trying to accomplish, right. which are the elements of any business plan. So now you are not, You know, you, you need to analyze those elements of a business plan to see if it makes sense, mm-hmm. because you know, based on location, based on demographics, based on so many other factors. Mm-hmm. A business might, might not be a good fit for, you know, uh, uh, 
for that location right. or for that demographic or for whatever or the factor we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and then after that, once you say once you feel okay, so I I, I have the team. Yeah. I uh, this is something that I'm passionate about. The business plan makes sense. Now let me try to get the money. Okay. So that's kind of like the process. And once you have the money, then, you know, it's, 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 but you need to have the other elements first. Right. Most people go the, the opposite direction. The first thing is like, you get the money without having the vision. And uh, if I tell you how many times people have come to me uh, saying that they, they went and, um, uh, 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 you know, applied for a loan. Mm -hmm. I actually have a story regarding a business plan. Uh, a good friend of mine one time, she, um, uh, 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 a, a very experienced restaurateur, and and she called me and she said, you know, crying that um, you know that they had denied her loan, and I said like, why? You know, you have the experience, you know, the, the basically. I mean, if I was the lender, I would give you the money, and I said like, and especially if you have a really tight business plan. Right. And she said like, yeah, I think I do. So she showed it to me, and when I, you know, when I saw it. I started laughing because it was four pages. I was like, how are you going to present a four pages, you know, business plan? Um, uh, so she asked me for help. Of course, I helped her. And, you know, now it's a very successful business here in Harlem. Mm. Yeah. So so those are the uh, kind of like the elements and the process that you got to go through, you know, when 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 it comes to uh, the process on whether, you know, uh, uh, you need to determine whether you want to open the business or not. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, in my case, I don't money is not the first thing. I mean, I look for that once all of the other elements are in place because right. it also becomes easier to find the money if you already have those other elements. Because if I'm an investor and you come to me with all of that already in place, then I'm most likely I'm going to lend you the money. And uh, if I don't, if you come to me, first question that I'm going to ask you is going to be, okay, so who are going to be the people doing this? You don't know yet. Okay, so um, are you, you know, is this something that you know how to do or that you are passionate about? You don't know that. And then uh, you don't even know how to write a business plan, much less right. try to uh, 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 incorporate those elements into right. that process. Mm -hmm. Then guess what? You're not getting the money. <laughs> Rafael, you said something that I think is very important. You know, as an entrepreneur or someone who is, you know, really serious about their goals, you said that, you know, is this something that I want to work seven days a week on? Mm -hmm. And I know you having, you know, four plus restaurants, you work probably seven days a week, right? You, before you came up here today, Sunday, you said, I just finished a very successful brunch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what are some of your rituals to taking care of yourself to make sure that you don't burn out? How do you, you know, stay grounded and stay motivated? Well, um, first of all, uh, I think that, you know, health is probably the most important asset that we have as individuals. You know, to we have to make sure that we stay healthy. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to take care of myself as far as my diet. Okay. You know, um, I, I'm not allergic to anything and I don't... Uh, abstain from eating anything. I eat okay. everything. I mean, you name it. I'm not a vegetarian, or I I love vegetables as much as I love a steak. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I open steakhouses for a living, guys. Right, right, right. You gotta, <laughs> so you gotta taste it. I had to. So, um, but yeah, but you know, it's uh, you have to take care of yourself. Uh, um, you have to listen to your body. Most, you know, uh, uh. uh uh, most of all, um, whenever you feel that your body, because your body will talk to you, it will tell you when you need to push and when you need to lay back right. and you need to listen to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't smoke, you know, I drink socially, you know, I had to 
taste the wines that they bring to the restaurant. Right. I mean, so you I have grew the up choice. In wine country in thank Mendoza, you. you know? uh, thank you. So um, yeah. So health is important. Um, uh, in the morning, the first thing that I do, I have a ritual that um, I have a few uh, motivational speakers that I love to listen to. Okay. And um, like uh, <laughs> Gary V. Okay. Gary V's good. Yeah. So um, um, so I usually have a you know uh, headset you know connected to my uh, my phone, and that's before I get up. But kind of like I pump myself, you know, through that. Mm-hmm. Try to go to the gym as much as possible, you know, mm-hmm. even though you know time is so constrained. But you have to make the time. Yeah. See, like you, you cannot allow time to make you. You have to make the, you time. Make the time. You know, so you have 24 hours. You need to organize it in a way that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be taken care of. Uh, uh, when I was in school, I had this one of the most amazing mentors, um, Steve Harvey. He passed away, but he wrote many, many books, like uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Right, right, right. And I just, you know, was lucky enough that he was, um, uh, 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 had a class, you know, in my school. So he used to teach with metaphors. So one day he came into the uh, into the classroom and he had this huge, you know, glass jar and uh, he had a, bo- a whole bunch of like different bags. So he takes you know the 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 topic you know, I guess was life. Um, so he takes out the the jar and um, uh, uh, he puts you know the the big rocks into the uh, into the jar. Mm-hmm. So and then he goes. So when he was all the way to the top, the jar was filled. He asked, "Do you think I can put anything else into it?" And everybody goes like, "No, it looks pretty full." So everybody said, "No," and like, "Ah." So he takes another bag and he has some pellets. So he starts putting the pellets all over the um, uh, uh, inside, you know, the jar. Right. So what he filled as many uh, as many pellets as he could fit in the jar. Then after that, he asked the he asked the same question: Do you guys think that I can fill anything else? And we're like, mm, you probably have something else, you know, up his sleeve. So we're like, mm, maybe not. He's like, ah, oh, very good. So he takes another bag and it's sand. So mm-hmm. he like, you know, he puts the sand all over the jar yeah. until it was like completely filled. So mm-hmm. now it's like, what else can he put there? There's no way that he can put any Water. more rocks. Ah, That's so exactly. <laughs> See, very smart, very smart. So he, some, some of the uh, students say no. Some of the students say yes. And uh, so exactly, he takes a pitcher of water and he puts it in. It. Mm. Then he goes like, so what am I trying to teach you? And he goes like, oh, that if you really think about it, you know, like if you're organized, you'll be able to fill many things into your day. You're like, nope. So, you know, the students gave different answers. Right, right, right. You're like, no. You see, I'm going to do something different now, okay? So you see how, ma- how, uh, how many rocks, how much sand, how much water I have. So he takes another jar and he puts the sand, he puts the pellet, and mm. guess What? He was left with like uh, more than half of the big rocks. He wasn't able to fill them into the jar. Mm. He goes like, the, "What I'm trying to teach you," and he actually put this in one of his books. Um, uh, he said, "What I'm trying to teach you is that you have to take care of the bigger rocks first, and then." Wow. Um, and and everybody has different rocks, you know, right. like like it could, could be your family, it could be your health, it could be so many other things. Right. But you have to take care of the big rocks first. So you need to determine what are your bigger rocks. And everybody has different wow. bigger rocks. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, 
uh, it was, you know, kind of like, wow, you know, like, like it makes sense, you know, like the way that, and, and I loved his uh, teachings because that's basically the way that he always taught, you know, in, in school. Then later on, he put all of those teachings that, you know, he gave us um, uh, in a book, in one of his many books. He wrote like six, seven books. And, um, but yeah, he was, uh, he was, you know, one, I always consider him one of my mentors. And what was his name, Steve Covey? Uh, Steve, no, uh, Steve Covey, yeah, thank you. Yeah, Steve, Steve Covey, Co- yeah, Stephen Covey. Steve Harvey, yeah, yeah, no. like, oh, yeah, 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 no, Steve, Steve Covey, Co- Stephen Covey, yes. Okay. Raphael, we're going to switch modes. Uh Are you ready for the dolphin tank? (laughs) We're going to dive into the dolphin tank. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Real quick, this is like rapid fire. Uh Uh-oh. Top tech that you use to make your company run smoothly, your businesses. Top tech that I use for my cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) Cell phone, okay. Uh, Favorite quote or model? Favorite quote or model? Um... Uh, yes, actually, I was uh, repeating it this morning many times. If you never try, you never know. You'll never know if you could, if it could have been. Okay, I love it. Favorite or most impactful book that you've written that you've read? Bra- easy, Brains on Fire. Please, everyone, get that book. It's amazing. Brains on Fire. Brains on Fire. Oh, I can't remember her name, okay. but just just Google Brains on Fire. Okay. Yes. Not a problem. Yeah, it was a couple who wrote it, and it's it's an amazing book. Okay. Yeah, anybody would think that it's um a, a marketing book, mm-hmm. but no, it's about life. Okay. This is a question that nobody can escape the show without answering. Uh oh. Three things that you would tell someone looking to create their best life. Oh, I think that I already said it. Mm-hmm. Um, be passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, nurture your personal relationships. Mm-hmm. You know your team, and don't ever think. Nev- don't ever do anything for monetary reasons. Money is always the byproduct of what you do. So the more you do, the more money that you're going to make. I always make the analogy of money and love. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're single and mm-hmm. you, you can't get a girl, mm-hmm. the minute that you find a girl or you get engaged or you get married, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like three girls calling you. Right. Money is exactly the same way. You know, like the more you look for it, if you wake up in the morning thinking of money, money will run from you. Mm-hmm. They, uh, um, I always tell all my suppliers, I don't touch money and I don't write checks. I want to stay as far away from money as I can because that's not what I do. I don't do what I do for money. I do it, you know, for other reasons, fulfillment, personal fulfillment. Yes. Okay. What's next for you and, uh, you know, your ventures? Um, somebody asked me uh, a few months ago, you know, how do you, you know, what's, what's my goal for this year or, you know, like next year for 2018? And I felt that the answer was very simple because my goal for th- my short term goal is to have 500 employees. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. How can we keep in contact with you at the Create Your Life series? Oh, that is so easy. <laughs> um, uh, multiple websites, you know, for every single place. And my personal email, rafael at mintonsharland.com. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Okay, so beautiful people. Well, Raphael, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Yes. So beautiful people, this is what's going to happen. We are actually going to cut to a quick, and when I say quick, I mean quick, quick musical break. And then we're going to come back with the turnaround. And if you don't know what the turnaround is, the turnaround (laughs) is where Raphael has the opportunity to ask me any three questions that he wants and I have to answer. So stay tuned, of course, on this musical break. Call in 212-650-6903 if you have any questions for Raphael. And so uh, here we are with our Bruno Mars 24 Karat Magic. 
Beautiful people, we are back, and we are in the studio with Rafael Benavides, and we are, it's time for the turnaround, so now I am handing it over to Rafael. Rafael, you are in charge. All right. Uh, okay. Hello, beautiful people. I hope you're enjoying this show, and uh, we're going to ask, uh, I hope, three simple questions. Yeah. Okay. Question number one. What makes you think? What makes me think? Thick. No, what makes you think? Like, what, what drives you? What, what's your... Oh, what's my driver? Yes. Um... You know what? What drives me is doing what I, coming up with a crazy idea and then just going at it until I execute, actually seeing it going to uh, take place. Mm -hmm. that, that, that is amazing. And I would also say doing what I say that I'm going to do. I'm a man of my word. So if I say that it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, that I'm going to do it, that I'm going to make it happen, then seeing it all the way through until the end, that really drives me. And okay. of course, my upbringing drives me to uh, want to go as far as I can, having grown up in foster care for almost 18 years in California. Okay. Now, this is a follow-up. It's not the second question. It's a follow-up to the first question. It. It's So, what drove you to start the show? Because, I mean, it's an amazing show, you know, create your, you create know, create your, your life. life, which is, I think, it's an amazing uh, uh, format, you know, for people to be able to listen to different experiences by different individuals. Thank you. Um So a couple of things. Number one, I, I study people's success and I always want to know why. Why, are, why is somebody um, amazing? One, one of my biggest muses is Kobe Bryant. Mm. His work ethic is so intense. People always talk about the accolades, but I want to know what is he doing on a day-to-day -day basis to, be, uh, to become successful. And that, that was something that I literally just start and study people and how they've grown. Uh, something else for me was, is again, I literally had to create my life and go to college and, you know, go and do motivational speak speeches in Japan and things like that. And so for me, it was a matter of helping other people who may have had some challenges in life see that there's better ways. And the only way to do that is to find out how people like yourself have become successful and then be able to uh, use the show as a resource for others so that they can then go out and create their best life. Very cool. All right, so now we're going to go to question number two. Okay. The best book you ever read. Wow. My favorite books? Yes. Um, I've read a lot of good books. I would have to say I got top two. Okay. Um, the Alchemist. Nice. Amazing book. Paolo Coelho. Yes, Paolo Coelho. Amazing. And I think what I like about it a lot, too, is the fact that it's a story and it's not mm. just so how-to point, point, point. Um, I recently read The Richest Man in Babylon, which is also a, a, a fable uh, story. And so I thought that that was good. But my second favorite book, if not first, they're like neck and neck, is What Makes the Great Great by Dennis Kimbrough. And this book just basically just breaks down exactly why the show, you know, what I just said about the Create Your Life series, you know, how these great people became uh, great. And so it's just two really, really impactful books on me. Nice. You know, uh, uh, something cool about The Alchemist is the fact that when I saw The Matrix, the movie, mm -hmm. you remember that in The Alchemist with the two little rocks, yep. you know, if you get one, then you will go to the left, you go yep. to the right. And in, in um, uh, The Matrix, they use something similar with the red pill yeah. and the blue, blue pill. pill. So I always put, you know, Matrix and uh, The Alchemist kind of like on the same, uh, you know, kind of a situation. Okay, so now, and, you, uh, and your listeners probably already know this because I'm sure somebody asked you this uh -huh. best quote or motto oh that's <laughs> so hard there are so many great quotes um quotes by me or by guests it doesn't matter or oh, in general i mean the best one that mm. you heard that you that is yours that i guess or that you've read on the internet the mm. best you know there are those quotes that just make sense and they touch you one that i had to really uh 
that was been going through my head for the last couple of days is by a mentor of mine, Raphael Moffat, and it's believe with a period, not a comma. And that quote is so amazing to me because when you're going into something that you're passionate about, right? If you're truly passionate about it, you don't even second guess it. You just go all in. You know, if you believe with a period, then that's, you know, I'm going to make this show amazing and it's going to be X, Y, and Z or this restaurant is going to be amazing and it's X, Y, and Z. That's a statement. Mm. Not I'm going to make this show or this restaurant amazing, but if it doesn't happen, you know, comma, but if it doesn't happen, da 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 da. No, it's all in or nothing. And so that's been circulating um, in my mind a lot lately. But also, another quote that I made up is uh, I am the brand I say I am. Mm. And that just means that you're in control of your destiny and that life will be whatever you make it. And so, you know, stick fast to that. And, you know, even when it's unpopular, remain true to yourself and it'll, it'll work out for you. Cool. And one last one. I know I'm going to cheat, but, <laughs> no okay, problem. your goals. What is, like, one of your more? What is one of the big, bigger goals bigger in goals life or have, for yeah. the show? Uh, for both. Remember, uh, your life, the show, is basically one. Ooh. There are no others. Right, right, right. No <laughs> um, big goal for the show. I want us to become uh, nationally syndicated. Nice. Um, and I think that we're close to it. We're in discussions for it. But I would really love to, uh, you know, to be more of a catalyst. We're already a catalyst, but I really want to see people's, uh, the, the impact and the way that we help people. I want to hear about it and, and just know more and, and know how we can do better to serve. Um, personally, uh I just want to be consistent and, and reach, reach further. I think Create Your Life is really a big part of my life's work, if not my life's work. And I'm very happy to be on this journey. And so I just want to uh, stay consistent and, and continue to, to let it grow. That's really where I'm at. Cool. How did it feel to be on the other side of the interview? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fun. Um, it, it, gives you, it gives me the opportunity to kind of relax and to also just be open um, and helps me understand you more because it's what ideas or thoughts are running through your head and what questions do you want to ask me as the person who's been interviewing you. So it gives, you know, the opportunity to be vulnerable as well and for my listeners to get to know me better as well as you. Very cool. All good. Right, audience? Pretty cool answers. <laughs> Thank you. And you did a good job hosting, you know. We might have to get you on here to substitute, you know, when I'm not around. <laughs> All right. I'm game. <laughs> okay. Never done it, but I never run away from a challenge. Ah, I like it. I like it. All right. Well, beautiful people. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us, Raphael. Thank you again. My pleasure. Uh, thank pleasure. you for having me. Yes. Uh, so we're going to cut to a musical break. And ladies and gentlemen, happy Sunday. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. Create a propre vie. Create your life. 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 You better create your life. Create your life. Create your life.
life. Create your life. 